Well, there have been many times I've been at a graduation or a wedding or some kind of ceremony, and someone has gotten up to encourage those who are listening. And in, in that encouragement, there is usually a verse that is quoted. It can be something from Paul's letters or from one of the four gospels. But one I think that I've heard most is from an Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah. The person usually speaking uh, paraphrases it this way. I want to quote my life verse for you all. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. And this is a wonderful verse, though not complete, and it is a beautiful promise from God that yes, we can cling to just as the exiles did thousands of years ago who were still God's chosen people in Babylon. But what does this verse in its entirety actually mean? Why did God include it in his word? And if so many, if so many people would chop it up and use it this way, that, or in a way that it was never meant to be used. And what does it have to do with core value number three at Redeemer, the body? Those are great questions and I'm glad you asked them. So three weeks ago, Brandon Barker, the director of the Redeemer Network, which is what we're a part of, he was with us and he exhorted us and reminded us of God's faithfulness to himself and to his own covenants. In that same faithfulness, he is faithful to those that it includes. So beginning in Genesis 12, God calls a man by the name of Abraham to leave his homeland and to go to where he's sending him to settle. And he tells Abraham that from his family will come a great nation that he will use in the story of redemption. So a few chapters later in chapter 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham that he shows him in a dream. Listen to Genesis 15, 17. I'll read this out loud for you. Genesis 15, 17. It says, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. So it would have been customary for animals to be taken, certain animals to be taken, and they would have been cut in half and the one who would have been expected to pass through these pieces, for instance, in, th in this scenario here, it would have been Abraham. Abraham would have been the one passing through these pieces of this chopped up animal. But here in Abraham's dream, given to him by God, were the smoking fire pot and the flame flaming torch, which represented God himself, passed between the pieces. This symbolized that if the covenant was ever broken, God himself would pay with his life. So we need this reminder. God's covenant is not dependent on our faithfulness, but on his. God's faithfulness to his covenant is not dependent on our good works, on our good behavior, but is solely dependent on him. So for the last two weeks, I've tried to help us see that even in the Old Testament, God is faithful to his New Testament promises. Our core values, uh, and this is good for us to remember, this is, rep repetition is the mother of all learning, so it's good for us to repeat these things. Our core values are the Bible, the gospel, and the body. Now I promise you, church, I am not clever enough uh, to claim this as an original idea. 
I just knew that when we planted this church four years ago, how simple I wanted it to be so we could see what God has been faithful to for centuries now. And these three elements seem to be them. His word, his gospel, and his people. So, if you're ever asked, what is Redeemer about? What is your, hey, I've seen you've been attending Redeemer. Can you tell me what they're about? I've, I've heard a few things about, about them. I've heard, you know, they're, they're the church that, that they, they read the, uh, the Bible and they use the Bible. And there, there's a lot of things going around about our church. Could you tell me, I've, I've seen that you've been attending. What is it that they're about? And you could say, well, it's three things. The Bible, the gospel, and each other, or the body. So what about prayer? What about discipleship? What about VBS, et cetera? And I believe, church, this is, this is why I believe what I believe, that if we stay faithful to what we see God be faithful to, and what God wants to be His church to be a part of, it will come with due time. It will come with due time. Let me ask this question before we jump into our text. Does your vision of a church fit what God says about a church or what it should be? Or do you want it simply to be a preference? Do you have it in your head what kind of church you want, where you want it to meet, what you want the pastor to say? Or is it simply all preference? Or does it fall under these three core values? So last week, we spent some time in the book of Jeremiah, which is Old Testament prophecy. We looked at chapter 31, where God says to his people who are in exile in Babylon due to their own disobedience, their own sin, and the judgment of God. He's going to make a new, God's going to make a new covenant one day with his people, and he will write the law upon their hearts. So this would have been attention-grabbing. Remember, there's a, there's a word that says behold. This is, would have been attention-grabbing. As the people knew that the law was written on stones since the day of Moses, and the covenant seemed to be between the, the patriarchs, like Abraham and Jacob, and not a personal promise that God would be with them no matter what. So listen, God is faithful to the good news that he preached in Genesis, which we see in Genesis chapter three, God is faithful to that good news even when we are unfaithful and we fix our eyes only on the bad news. God continues to be faithful to the good news that he preached all those thousands of years ago. So remember, Jeremiah has a threefold message for the people of Israel. Number one, they have sinned grievously against God. Number two, God will judge them for their sin. And that God, and three, that God is faithfully and bountifully merciful and will bring restoration and salvation. So if you hear it, hear it this way. Bad news, worse news, good news. Bad news, worse news, great news. So I want to pick up in Jeremiah again today, and I want to just look at one verse. But of course, we can't just lift this verse out of its context and use it however we like. We need to see this one verse in its context with our gospel lenses on 
and think about who it was written to as well. We need to think about the original audience, okay? So my hope is in two parts today. My hope is that I would, I would be able to help you learn to interpret God's Word and also see how needy we are for God's faithfulness in His people. Remember, we're talking about core value number three, the body or the church. So turn, if you would, to Jeremiah 29. Some of you might know this by memory. You might have it on your fridge or on your desk at work, and that's totally great. I love that you have that there. Jeremiah 29:11, and I'm reading out of the ESV, okay, the English Standard Version. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Does that sound familiar to you? We've heard that verse many times. But before we even get to the verse to break it down, we need to ask why it's there. This was not an easy time in the life of God's people. They were treated horrifically by their captors, and there didn't seem to be an end inside. It seemed like they were going to be in exile forever. So, a promise like this, this promise in Jeremiah 29, 11, from the mouth of God, through the mouth of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, it would have been like a breath of fresh air. It would have brought them up for air because of the way they were being treated. So, let's zero in on the immediate context for this verse. If you rewind back to chapter 28 in Jeremiah, a false prophet by the name of Hananiah prophesies that they will only be in exile for two more years and then God's going to come and restore everything that they have lost. But God tells Jeremiah that Hananiah is lying. And Hananiah, listen to this, Hananiah the false prophet ends up dying at the end of chapter 28. He ends up dying after this confrontation. So he gave the people of God false hope. And as you continue reading into chapter 29, God tells his people through Jeremiah to get comfortable because they're going to be there much longer than expected. So look at Jeremiah again. Jeremiah 29, beginning in verse 4. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into the exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that, you, that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So, two things to see here. Number one, God takes his word seriously. Number two, there's better news coming. God says through Jeremiah, he says, get comfortable. You're going to be here for 70 more years in exile. Hananiah told him it was only going to be two more years, which was a false prophecy. Then Hananiah dies. 
at the false prophecy, because of the false prophecy. But God says, get comfortable, build houses, get married. You're going to be here for 70 more years, thus saith the Lord. God takes his word seriously, and there is better news coming. Hence, verse 11. So this is, this is uh, all future hope. And it's spoken to a group of people, not just one person. So think of how we say y'all here in Texas, okay? It would be addressed the same way. Verse 29 would be addressed the same way. But listen to the hope tucked away from the very beginning of this verse, okay? We're looking at Jeremiah 29, 11 again. For I know the plans I have for y'all. For I know the plans I have for you all. So if we trust that God is good, that he's faithful to his covenant promises, we know that his plan is good. We can stop and, and we could stop here and we could just use this part of this verse. For I know the plans that I have for you all. Listen, if we are held by God, then his plans moving forward include being held by him. Maybe that's all you need to hear this morning. If you are held by God, if you are in Christ, if you are a Christian, his plans moving forward for your life include being held by him. That's really good news. That is really good news. Charles Spurgeon, the, the great prince of preachers, commented on this verse. The Lord still had plans for them. The Lord never forgets his own. The Lord never forgets his own. So what in the world does this have to do with core value number three? The body or the church or each other. Again, this is not a singular message to one person, but to a people who are suffering greatly and awaiting to be delivered by God. Listen, they must lean and rely on one another. The end of verse 11 says that God is going to give them a future and a hope. And many of them, listen, many of them will die in exile and never see the other side of this promise on earth. But the people of God carry on. This was not their last time to suffer like this. And even into the New Testament, even as you read into the gospels, when Christ appears, Israel is living under Roman rule. The Lord Jesus lives, he dies, and he rises, and still the people of God do not seem to receive any kind of relief as things actually get tougher for those who claim to be Christians. But yes, the promise remains true of the future and hope. And this is not an immediate future and hope. Now, after Christ ascends and the promised Holy Spirit comes to live inside the, the people of God, the picture becomes clearer. Even in the midst of continuing to be exiles and martyred, many, many Christians, even after Jesus ascended and sent the Holy Spirit, many of them died for the message that they proclaimed. Let's turn to the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, 
beginning in verse one, listen to this. The apostle Peter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to y'all. May it be multiplied to you all. Listen, in verse one, Peter says to the elect exiles. He's speaking to a group of people here. Peter is addressing a plurality of people and specifically those on the fringes of society due to what they have given their lives to. God's authoritative word and his gospel. And they are being marginalized and even killed for it. Skip down down to verse 22, still in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. It says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love who? Yourself? Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. We should have a brotherly love, Peter, the apostle Peter says here. You guys are exiles. You guys are not of this world. You guys are being killed for your beliefs. Did you know that Nero in that day, the Roman ruler Nero, he would take Christians and crucify them on the path to his house and he would set them on fire so people could see at night whether they were leaving or coming? This is the message that Christians proclaim in that day was the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and many of them died for it. Peter says, I'm speaking to you elect exiles, have brotherly love for one another care for one another, love one another. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that there's an element of Jeremiah 29, 11, that the comfort we find in it is in each other. You were not, li- you were not meant to live life in isolation. If the Godhead, the triune God is a community of persons, why would we be expected Those who submit our lives to this triune God, why would we be expected to walk in this life alone? The expectation is clear for God's people. Even though we are still exiles, even in 2024, listen, we are not of this world. We are sojourners. We are passing through until we arrive to our future and hope. But listen, many of us, continue to do this alone. And that is not the way God designed it. The Christian life is a team sport. And there are some of you in this room right now who are suffering in silence. You make your way here on Sunday mornings or you're at GC and you plaster on a smile. You pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and you fake it till you make it. When asked how you are, you reply with, a cordial, I'm fine. When really deep down inside, you're falling apart. So hear my plea today. If that's you, repent and believe. Walk away and forsake the way of life and come and live in the light. Quit anguishing on a proverbial island. There are marriages here right now 
who are holding on by less than a thread. Some of you may be over-medicating or abusing alcohol or addicted to some kind of substance or a part of an unhealthy relationship just to make it through the day. Listen, the word of the Lord is for you today, Jeremiah 29, 11. And we find immediate comfort and ministry in the people of God. But listen, we have to be willing to step into the light, to step into freedom that living in community offers. And listen, you could be here and you're like, Ricky, you don't know my experience with church. I've been hurt. I've been hurt by a pastor or I've been hurt by a deacon or by an elder or by a Sunday school teacher or just someone in the church hurt me. Listen, I understand those things because I've, I've been hurt by them too. And you know what? I've hurt people too. I've hurt people in this church or people who are no longer a part of this church. I have been complicit in that. So I know, I know that there are church hurts and you're like, Ricky, I, I want to live in community. I want to tell people, my, I want to confess my sins and things, but I'm afraid that they're going to use it against me. But listen, if I continue to live in those hangups, if I continue to live in those pains, there would be a lot of things that I'm not experiencing now. I have, listen, I have one of my very best friends here in this church, who is Matt. He is someone that I can pick up the phone and I can call him and I can say, hey man, what do you think about this? And he says, that's dumb, don't do it. Or let's talk about it a little bit longer. Or man, that's a great idea. There are times I just randomly get text messages from Matt saying, hey buddy, I love you and you're, you're an encouragement to me. Thank you. Thank you for the ministry that you've been to my life. I remember having conversations with my wife and saying, I just have like all this theology inside of me, this doctrine that I just wanna to talk to people about, to someone about. And I have men in this church, I have women in this church that I can sit down with and I can talk to them about theology and doctrine. Listen, if I continue to live in, the, in those hurts and those hangups, there'd be so much that I'm not experiencing now. Step into the light. Find freedom here. Find your future and hope here. In 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses many issues. And care for the body or each other and in Christ is one of them. So I'm gonna give you some homework. I'd like for you to go home and read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. That's your homework reading for today, okay? And Paul spends a fair amount of time reminding the Corinthian church who we belong to. And each of us are an important part of the function of the body who is Christ. So I think for the sake of our conversation today, let's look at verses 25 through 27 of 1 Corinthians 12, verses 25 through 27. It says, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Listen, we should have the same care for one another. 
We should suffer together and we should rejoice together. But how can we do that if we continue to live in factions and live in isolation? How can we suffer together? There are a lot of times that I find out about something that happened in somebody's life here in this church and it's weeks down the road and I'm like, why didn't you let me know? Why didn't you tell me? Why, I could have been praying for you in a very specific way or I could have stopped by the house and cared for you. My wife and I could have come and cared for you and counseled you or just listened. We can't do this alone. And if we don't live in unity and harmony now, listen, how can we imagine living together an eternity later? Let's fight for transparency. Let's fight for unity. Let's fight for reconciliation. Let's fight for truth. Let's fight for love. And let's let those things create community here at Redeemer. If there is a massive takeaway from the book of Acts, the early church in Acts, is that they saw each other as family, not as someone I go to church with. Is there someone in this room that you may need to approach and repent to or make them aware of a hurt or hangup that you may have? Listen, don't let another day go by by harboring those things. Don't let it go by by harboring those, those, those pains. Listen, shouldn't the New Testament church be a glimpse of the world to come? How can you help bring that to a future and a hope? God has been, is, and will be faithful to his word. God has been, is, and will be faithful to his gospel. God has been, is, and will be faithful to his people. Why? Because he is the covenant-keeping God, and his keeping of his covenant does not rely on us, and it does not rest on us. I'm gonna go ahead and invite the band to come up. And I wanna invite us in to this. If you are here this morning and you are not in Christ, you are not in Christ, listen, you cannot experience God's faithfulness in his covenant people. There's no other way to say it. You cannot experience what a true Christian experiences in community. Why? Because you have not been purchased by him. You have not been bought by the blood. So my invitation for you this morning is come to Christ. That's the first step. Come to Christ, repent of your sin, place your faith and your trust in him, repent and look to the Lord Jesus Christ who saves. Because until then, you will, you will try to find community that you're trying to find here at Redeemer and it will never come. It will never come. And listen, we want, for you, to, we want you to be here. We want you to be a part of gospel community. We want you to be a part of our Redeemer Equips classes when we have them. We want you to be a part of all of this. But listen, you will never find life and freedom and, and true liberty until first you come to Christ. And it is the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that makes us want to truly live in community. So come to Christ. Repent of your sin. Look upon him who can save.
And if you're here this morning and you are in Christ, you are a Christian, the, the plea is simple. Quit doing this alone. Quit doing this alone. We have opportunities for you to get plugged into gospel community here. We have our Sunday morning gathering. We have Redeemer Equips. We have men's prayer. We have some things on, on the horizon for the women of this church. But listen, if we don't know, we don't know. We have to be made aware, look, I'm hurting, my marriage is struggling, I got a diagnosis and I don't know what to do with it. My kid is acting up and I do not know what to do with him or her. This is when the family of God is important. Many of you are here and you, you're experiencing some extreme suffering death in your family. I don't know what it is. But listen, we have to rally around one another and suffer together and rejoice together. That's what Christ purchased on the cross, was a people to be an immediate future and hope. God knows the plans that he has for your life. And part of his plan is that you would be here on February 18th, 2024 to listen to this sermon, to sing these songs that we're singing this morning. Would you trust him? Would you trust him in the midst of that community? Church, I love you too much to not tell you the truth. So that's why we are a gospel preaching church. We want to preach truth from the pulpit, even when it's hard to hear. So my plea as your pastor, Stop doing this alone. Let's pray.